Welcome to the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We are your hosts, Michael and Lauren Falk. We are physical therapists, athletic trainers, and strength and conditioning coaches at Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance. We will be talking all things related to athletic performance for Milwaukee area athletes. Sports medicine, performance training, sports nutrition, recovery, and sports coaching. There's a lot of misinformation and myths surrounding athletic performance and injuries. This podcast is designed to bring current, factual, and evidence-based information to Milwaukee area athletes. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. Today I'm joined by Jake Van Fleet. Jake is currently the lead assistant golf professional at Shaniqua Country Club. Jake's worked in the golf industry for multiple years with experience in everything from caddying as a teaching professional and as a club fitter for Callaway. Recently, Jake has sought to expand his knowledge about golf instruction and how the body relates to the golf swing by taking several of the Titleist Performance Institute courses. Jake, thanks for coming on today. I'm looking forward to talking golf. Yeah, glad glad to be here. Finally, finally glad we get to sit down and do no, this. No, it's, it's taken a little while. So could you uh, give our listeners a little bit of background on you and how you got interested in golf? Yeah, so I'm, I think I'm a little bit different than other golf professionals. Uh, golf was not something that I did as a kid. Um, I actually did not like golf as a kid. <laughs> so kind of ironic that I helped support my family with golf. But uh, I played baseball, basketball, football, you name it, anything with a ball, basically, except golf growing up. Um, played baseball and basketball in high school. Uh, had a pretty good career and then got to play um, at a small Division three school in Milwaukee. Uh, <clears throat> as I started getting older, I started seeing my door in basketball start closing generally. So I started looking for what was coming next. Um, and at the time, I was working as like a bagroom kid at uh, Merrill Hills Country Club, which is now part of the Legend Group. And I absolutely idolized the golf professionals there. And one of them was like, you know, I didn't play golf growing up. Like, you could do this if you wanted to. And I was like, well, if this guy can do it, yeah, here we go. I'm going to do it. <laughs> that's awesome. And uh, six years later, here I am. That's, that's great. I didn't actually know that story. But, I mean, I think it's, it's a good lesson. We'll probably dive into a little bit more when we start talking about juniors later about, you know, kind of the importance of just having a good athletic background to then eventually learn how to play good golf. Um, so I know you've recently taken the TBI certification. This is something that you and I have talked about, you know, extensively in the past, and we've had you into our clinic before. Um, we've had a few other physical therapists and teaching pros that have gone through the TPI certification on, um, but what led you, it's a pretty substantial commitment, both in, you know, time and, and financially to, to do this. So what led you to want to take that course? It's pretty amazing what, what Dr. Rose and Dave Phillips have done. Um, I wanted to do it because I wanted to, one, help my teaching business and, and two, become a better player and better understand everything that I'm trying to do as a, as a player. Um, it's they, they do a great job of laying out groundwork of cause and effect for anybody and make it really easy to understand. And if you have any sort of athletic background, they relate it extremely well to basically any sport you can think of. Yeah, no, it's it's been a cool organization to like see how they do things, and um, like I've actually taken one of the third level ones where you actually, you know, I always tell people like TBI is actually like a place, like you know, it's literally out in Carlsbad, and there's 
you know, the gym that all they film all the courses in. There's like the actual gym and the driving range and um, the day I was there, like playground, just a yeah, giant playground for people like yeah. us. Voki was Voki was on the range grinding <laughs> wedges, and you're, you're sitting there like this is this is crazy. Um, so since you, I know it's, you took it early in the in the season. Um, what's changed so far this year? Giving lessons, kind of after having gone through some of the Tylus courses. Um, you know, I, I basically kind of fell face first in the in the teaching golf. Um, I just tried to figure it out and I was kind of like, you know, I need some structure here. And TPI obviously has a really good track record of what they do. Uh, and it's really helped me figure out how to use all my athletic um, uh, knowledge from other sports that I played to relate it to people who want to learn and have played other sports but just find golf super hard. So I uh, find it really easy to teach about the movements that our bodies need to make and get them focusing a little bit less about the golf club and figure out, all right, I need to be going towards my target. How do I make that happen? Instead of what is my, what's the face angle at impact supposed to look like? I mean, that's pretty overwhelming for a lot of people. If we can talk about, um, you know, how to rotate better and how to transfer weight, which I think TPI does a really good job of explaining, uh, they seem to relax a little bit. Yeah. No, I think um, they've got a good system and um, it really works well together. You know, I've come out to a couple of your lessons with clients that we've shared and it's like great to hear you give a lesson and then me be able to kind of use one of the exercises that I like to get the player to feel something in the gym or the, you know, or their home or the weight room or wherever they're, they're doing it that then reinforces it and it's just like this cool system that that really results in game improvement in the end I, I will say there's like I kind of a funny story that I don't know if I shared with you so there was someone that I was going to refer to Michael and um, you know he asked for a couple exercises and this was the first guy that I put through a TPI screen yeah and so I, I went back into the book work and I gave him a couple exercises and then I heard him a couple weeks later reference to another person uh, as me as his physical therapist and I was like no no I no 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 let's stop that right there yeah pretty sure that's illegal for me to pretend that <laughs> we have we have the same uh we have the same thing where people come in it's like okay well you know so can you teach me how the golf swing and I'm like you know all you have to do is come play with me once to <laughs> to, to realize that uh you don't want me giving your golf lesson you want me figuring out you know what you physically need to do so that you can get more out of your golf lesson um, and then that's the system that, you know, has resulted in, in the best, um, the best outcome so far for, for our clients at least. Um, so let's dive just a little bit more into specifics. So, um, I know, you know Tavis doesn't like to use the word flaw. We tend to use characteristics or things like that, but what's the most common swing characteristic flaw, if you will, that you see in amateur golfers that you work on? I would say 90% of uh, the lessons that I give have to do, they start with really strong grips or really strong right-handed grips. Um, and there's nothing wrong. You know, if someone doesn't rotate as well or has trouble closing the club face, yeah, you can uh, have a little stronger grip. It's going to help you shut it um, a little easier. But for a lot of people, uh, they kind of starts like this. And I actually know this from experience. So any any baseball players, any hockey players, you, you get in, hit a golf ball, and you see this giant tail to the right. And you're like, all right, well, I need to fix that. And you start fiddling around with your hands and where you're standing, 
and you, you realize, all right, if I move my hand underneath the golf, if I move my right hand underneath the golf club, I close the face a little more, and it starts going, you know, straighter. Yeah. Well, then if you start learning to swing better and releasing the golf club properly, that strong right hand over closes the face, and you start hitting rockets to the left. So now we're trying to figure our body's trying to figure out what to do there. So instead of rotating, we start dragging our body through and holding on to the club face and making sure that it never moves anything. It just closed in that position and it doesn't close anymore because we never release it. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I've done, at least this year, has just been retraining people on one, how to grip the golf club. So a lot of people who don't need to have a stronger right-handed grip, uh, I get them to get into a little more neutral position. And then it's just explaining to them and retraining them how to uh, rotate yeah. and use the ground to create power. Yeah, no, I think, um, I mean, and it kind of leads into the thing, people, you can find anyone that's making millions of dollars playing on TV that does something, like Jim Furyk and Matthew Wolf play with that, like, super strong under grip, their swings also are not super traditional, and, you know, Matthew Wolf's one of, like, the best rotators and just an unbelievable athlete, and so he can, he can literally hold the face closed and just rotate like crazy you know through the ball whereas most people that we work with don't aren't elite rotators especially kind of later in their golf right. life, golf life right so <laughs> no and, and that's a that's a great point i mean um there's a million different swings on the pga tour there's a million different swings on the driving range at Shaniqua country club <laughs> um and some are good some are bad but the good ones all have a couple of things in common and that's the person uses the ground to create power. They, they rotate somewhat well. Yes. And that's kind of a generalization. But, um, yeah, and, and you'd be surprised at how many people don't know how to use the ground, how many people don't know how to rotate properly. It's Golf tends to be a very intimidating sport, and I think that just kind of blinds people uh, yeah. when they get back into it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we, we talk about the same thing with any sport, but golf too, you know, you look at the NBA, there's – a million different jump shots um and but if you look at it there's always certain things that every player like the release is always the same right. like, almost everybody ends with you know their wrists kind of flexed all the way and fingers through um you don't see anybody that's a really good shooter shooting with their hands on the side of the basketball and and or shooting it granny style that's playing in the <laughs> nba like are those wrong no but but the you know the best there's there's some consistency with certain aspects even though elbow angles may change or some of these other things. That's the same same thing with golf. And um, I just think you know yes there there's a bunch of ways to do it, but there are probably ways that are easier and and uh, ways that fit your body and game better. Probably safer for your body too. Yeah right? yeah yeah absolutely absolutely. Okay so then what's the what's the most difficult lesson that that you give? Um, you know, I, I think the most difficult lesson is, uh, I wouldn't even say it's, it's like a, a physical limitation or anything like that. It's someone that comes unwilling to learn. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, you know, I work at a, a private club and sometimes, um, a lot of these people are used to being in control. And so when it comes time for me and I'm just a kid to them, uh, to give them direction, it doesn't go as well. And maybe part of that's on me, but, um, you know, if, if you take a, a golf lesson, you, you probably should, uh, 
you know, be ready to learn a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there should be a, a reason uh, a reason that you're there. And um, I think it's something that I picked up from talking to a couple of different golf pros too. Like, there needs to be a clear goal. Like one of the one of the things that we get a lot of people that come into my office and they're like, "Well, I want to want to be more consistent golfing." And don't get me wrong, like I'm there too. But talking to pros and stuff, it's like, well, there's that's not really like a what does that mean? What does that mean? Right. Like, you know, is that consistent? What? How do we give me something to work off? Of? And I'm sure, like, imagine if someone came in and was just like, "I want to be more consistent at kinetic." Like, yeah. No. I, what is it? <laughs> no. What would you like me to do for you? Yeah, that's. Uh, I think it probably goes hand in hand with uh, kind of some of those tough lessons of just like, okay, let's actually have like a realistic. Let's have goal. a conversation. Lay out some goals for me so that we can build a plan and work together. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I would kind of add on top of that, the most frustrating lesson is the person then that does that and then you never see him again. Yeah. And you, you see him three months later and they're like, ah, I'm not getting any better. Yeah. Well, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, and, and it takes it takes practice. I mean, that's something, you know, you're you're working with my wife right now and, um, you know, one of the things I keep talking to her about is I'm like, okay, well, you know, we go to the driving range to like practice and then at times like, it's okay to just go play golf and have fun and, it's not going to be perfect and yeah every you're still working on every shot but like you know there's a time to work on your swing and then there's a time to actually just like go go play golf and and those need to be separated sometimes and and she's she's probably one of the hardest working people that i've ever had the pleasure of working with and it's awesome to be a part of and and i mean she can really move it when she gets a hold of it yeah but you know sometimes i wish that she could just go out and enjoy Yes, and, and take a deep breath, and I'm sure she wishes the same thing. Yeah, uh, but golf's you know it can be a relaxing game if you let it be relaxing. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. That's what it's been one of our our frequent conversations. Is like, okay, we we go to the driving range and practice, and then like we're just gonna go you know play golf. Whatever, and whatever happens, yeah, happens. After yeah, that. yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like if you study and study and study for a test, and then once you get to the test, it's like all right, well, I hope I studied enough, you yeah. know, and you try and. Do yeah. best again. Yeah, exactly. At that point, you know, the, whatever happens, happens. Exactly. All right, so uh, I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about more about junior golf. Um, you, you and I have talked about this a lot over the past couple of summers, um, kind of coming up with ideas and things that we could do to try to, um, you know, help the junior programs in the area um, and specifically here at Shaniqua. Um, what do you see as some key elements that junior players should focus on? Um. You know, and I would probably say this actually with every sport. Um, my biggest frustration with junior athletics is sports specialization at a really early age. Yes. Um, so today we had junior golf every Tuesday, like June through August, early August. Uh, we have junior golf. And today is my favorite lesson. We relate throwing like uh, a golf ball. Every kid threw at least six golf balls today uh, to hitting golf clubs. And you wouldn't believe how many kids I have to teach how to throw, step and throw. I, I mean, it's, it's almost shocking. And, um, you know, like basketball, baseball, you, you got to be an athlete. The guys who are at the top of the PGA Tour, they're all athletes and it's not a coincidence. Um, so back to your question. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I want to make sure that everybody – and it's back to um, – understanding what we need to do with our body and taking the TPI stuff has has helped me with this as well because now I can relate stuff that I used to be really good at to stuff that I want to be good at now and and try and pass that on. Yeah. No, I think, um, 
we, you know, we treat a lot of um, youth athletes in general, and we, the number of kids that we get that can't skip with a, you know, opposite arm, opposite leg skip and crawl and just have some of these just motor coordination deficits. It's like, well, it's no wonder you're having some of these issues with rotating, controlling what your legs and your arms are doing when you can't even do these simple patterns and, and control that first. Just good kicking motions, good throwing motions, just some of these basic athletic um, movements. And I think, you know, there's a reason that you look at a lot of hockey players, great golfers, a lot of football quarterbacks, generally pretty good golfers. A lot of um, basketball players are not always, but <laughs> you see some of the some of the really good athletes that well, are also I mean, imagine good golfers. If, imagine if they worked at, imagine if LeBron James yes. decided, I want to play golf. I, I'm sure, and, you know, at some point, there comes a point where, you know, he, he wouldn't make it, right. but... I'm sure if he had started when he was 18, he'd be pretty good now. Yeah, no, I uh, I, I completely agree. Um, I think there was an interesting study that just came out that um, we've been sharing with a lot of families that it looks at it looked at baseball players in particular, and I thought it was fascinating because it looked at early sports specialization. It defined it as uh, you know a kid that was less than 12, I believe, um, that either played the same sport for more than eight months out of the year. They had to do two of the three, play the same sport for more than eight months of the year, take individual private lessons outside of like their team, um, their team sport, or play on more than one team for the same sport. So like a club and a high school yeah. team or something like that. And if you had two of three of those, you were considered early specializing. And about 90% of the kids in the study were, but about 20% of the parents, only 20% of the parents said that their child was early specializing. 80% of the kids that specialized had no idea. Like they thought they were doing the right stuff, but they were still having their kid. They're like, no, my, my child's not early specializing, but they they were through what they were enrolling them in and having them do. So we've been sharing that a lot with our younger like clients and patients of just more like educating. Like this is actually what it looks like. And like, I know you don't think you are, but you are and these things increase your injury risk and might kind of impair your long-term performance. Uh, and you know, it's not... Like, it's not necessarily a bad thing for their no. parent to want to play a sport, you know. Um, but I saw it in basketball, too. You have no, no idea how many basketball players can't throw. Yeah. Can't throw right. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's something that just kind of shocks you. And there were some guys that I was like, wow, how, how have you gotten this far? And you really can't do this. And we see that in golf. We see that in almost every sport where there's sports specialization. Yeah. It's just a try and get people to be better rounded athletes and then once you're there then you can start specializing yeah no i think your um you know your your story and that, that's the way that it should be it's like build the athlete first and we can teach we can teach a good athlete how to play golf yeah. you know with enough time and dedication on their part if it's a goal it's it's very hard to take somebody that's good at golf and a terrible athlete like it's really going to limit your ceiling um right you know, Dr. Rose told, told, told a story at one of the presentations that I went to that um, he had two two junior players, both very talented, early identified as like pretty high-level players. They both came out to the tie list, went through all the testing. Um, he sat down with the parents, and one parent one one parent said, we want our, our ultimate goal is for him to be a really good PGA Tour player. The other parent said, our ultimate goal is to get him, we want him to be the top-ranked high school golfer and, and get a great college scholarship. So their paths varied tremendously. Um, both played in college. One was the number one 
high school player. I think he went to um, Texas or something like that. And then the other was, um, you know, still played in college, but kind of a lower level D1 program. Um, they actually ended up meeting in the um, national championship for college their senior year. And uh, on the first tee, the, that kid that his who prioritized being a pro over being a good college player um, bombed it about 50 yards past the kid, the other kid on the first tee. And right. um, Dr. Rose went to watch the match. He worked with these kids since they were like eight or nine. And he was like, you just see it in the other kid's face. Like, match was over. <laughs> like, on the first tee box, he was just like, I have no chance. And, and they're both playing on the PGA Tour. One's in the top ten, and the other one still has his tour card. But just kind of a, you know, he's... He's a working, you know, pro player, still right. making a He's living. Every event and, yep. Yeah. But uh, so it's just an interesting take, and we tell that story a lot. That like no one cares if you're the best twelve-year-old golfer or right. or if you're the best twelve-u right. baseball player. Like people care if you're the best college player, professional player. If that if that's your goal. No, and that's a that's an awesome story, and you see that in sports all over. Uh, I, I'm a big college basketball fan, and I always have been, and I am so bad at picking who's going to be good in the NBA and who's not, because apparently basketball skill in college has no <laughs> Doesn't translate. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's, that's interesting. So, okay, I know um, kind of the COVID pandemic shutdown has had to change how you operate your junior program. Um, so I'd be interested for you to share what you've had to do. And then I know we were talking last week, and you said that it's actually – been really helpful so what's kind of been some of the benefits that's that's come out of these forced changes yeah so when this all hit one i didn't know if i was going to be working this year so that was <laughs> kind of scary uh two you know once we got back to work i had no idea how we were going to get junior golf to um, work and sat down with our head golf professional and another assistant golf professional and uh, we came up with a plan that actually I, th I think has been a lot better. So uh, we had a very traditional junior program. Every kid in each age group, you know, we have 18 holders down to two holders, uh, down to kids who play zero holes. Uh, they all met for a 45-minute lesson, um, and then they'd go play golf. Holding the attention of a 8-year-old for 45 minutes while you talk to them about something that they probably don't care a ton about is really tough to do. Yeah. Uh, so this was kind of a, a blessing in disguise. So now um, we have our junior days tea timed. It was a shotgun event before. And so before each tea time, uh, a group of four kids gets a lesson. Uh, and it's a 10-minute lesson. And in that, we cover stuff that we would have normally covered in a lot more compact, a lot more hands-on um, little period of time. And I think that it has worked a million times better. I can touch a lot more kids. I can have a lot more, you know, one-on-one -on -one interactions with, with kids, which is how they learn. I mean, yeah. I remember being in camps and thinking, how is anyone learning from this, right? Yeah. And more people you put in that room, it's, it becomes a lot lot fuzzier. Um, so we've done that. You know, we're, we're obviously um, wearing masks and stuff, which is different. A couple of days there, it was really hot, and it was yeah. tough wearing the mask. But... Um, it's been good. I will continue to use this uh, program as, as long as I'm a golf professional. Anywhere I go after this, this is what the junior golf program will look like. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I mean, that's what we've found as well. There's certain things that we've had to adjust because of the you know changes that have happened, and it's like actually I wouldn't have thought this would work, but 
we've kept some of those things because it's worked, you know, really well and even helped our care, helped us do things more efficiently or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I, I mean, if, if anything comes out of this, stuff like that, and then uh, a lot of people learn how to use Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I know I've, uh, we've learned how to, we're hosting a Zoom webinar for like 180 <laughs> soccer kids tonight. And uh um, there's there's been some some definite uh, some definite pros, but I think the way that you are approaching the junior thing is really interesting. Um, you know, back to the the tireless junior stuff. They, you know, the junior golf around the country has never been done super well. It's usually um, kind of an afterthought for the for the clubs and for people. It's almost like kind of glorified babysitting at a lot of places. Um, but I think it's really hurt the game because it is, it's such a challenging game. And if the, you know, if the kids don't learn how to enjoy it at a young age, and it's just like, you know, back to the getting parked on the driving range, you know, hitting balls for hours with, I mean, that's what my junior golf experience was without a lot of instruction and, um, you know, the, the game of golf has to keep growing. It's like that next generation of kids that we've got to like develop to love the sport and, even if they're not amazing at it, just like enjoy playing. Like what we were talking about, like it's just a fun lifetime sport. You can play from the time you're five. I mean, I, I go out in the driving range here with my two-year-old and he hits plastic clubs and has a blast. Um, I'll be right behind you in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he can, he'll be able to play from the time that he's two now all the way up till hopefully he's 80, right. 90. He'll get to play with his dad and his grandpa at some point. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Can't play basketball with dad and grandpa. <laughs> no, exactly. And um, I just think, you know, it's it's really cool that you've taken such an interest in trying to do junior golf better and learn and try to help the kids get more more out of it. And I think we just need to keep, keep spreading that message so that the game keeps growing. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously fairly new to this, but I would advise any golf professional who listens to this, you got to think about it two ways. One, you got to make it fun um, because if you're, I mean, especially if you had a private club, public golf court, you're training your next clientele. Right. If you do a bad job, you know, a lot of these kids won't come back because they won't have any reason to. Right. Um, so it's important on that end. And then, uh, you know, you have an opportunity here to, you know, make an impression. Uh, there's nothing more that parents love than you know, someone taking an interest in their kids uh, from an athletic standpoint, especially. And, um, you know, that's where it's been really fun for us, where we want to keep going. Uh, as an idea I'm taking from a, a friend of mine I work with at, at Westmore, a country club named Jason Tipton. Um, he built a program, um, and it was small when he started it. It's called the Tournament Players Program. So, like, a lot of places that I've worked, we have one session of junior, or, you know, not one session, but one program of junior golf. And then when you get to a certain age private lessons and you know that that's great but I, I want to start getting to a point where we have um, and I've talked with your wife about this uh, you know kind of not practice but organized observance and, and like a program for kids who want to keep playing after junior golf because there ends up as you get to 12 13 14 the difference starts to, to vary quite a bit and I want to have something for that group that um, you know, they can keep going and keep getting challenged and then have something for the kids who are that age that don't want to be challenged. Yeah, I just want to play for fun. And yeah, and I, that's where I need to get into the TPI junior stuff because, you know, they talk about that kind of stuff yeah. with, with kids and um, when you start pushing the, the envelope a little bit with them as far as training. Yeah, no, I think, uh, 
um, you know, you're thinking about it in exactly the right way. And, and that's kind of the way that it's not just TBI. I mean, it's everything like the U.S. Olympic Committee follows the same thing. But early on, it's just like getting them to have fun and love the game. Like, you know, when they're seven, eight years old, it's like if they just get in the car at the end of the day and they're tired and they tell mom and dad, like, I had fun at junior golf and I can't wait to go back next week. Like, who cares if they learned anything? Like, they go. That's that's all you want where it's like golf becomes this fun thing because I mean if you think about it it's this crazy sport really hard you've got all these long levers open club faces balls that can go all over the place <laughs> out of terms nobody has any idea what they're doing yeah you're trying to get this little tiny ball into this little small hole and like it can be a really frustrating game for anybody much less a kid that's not good at it yet right. compared to soccer where big goal big ball run around with all their friends do all this stuff like you know, there's a reason that kids enjoy that. And if we can keep making junior golf fun early, you know, that's it's going to just get them to keep coming back and keep them interested until they do get to the point where it's like, okay, now, yeah, I want to take it seriously and it's actually time to get better. And that's kind of what Titleist does. And then that's what, like, the U.S. Olympic Committee does. Usually there's some type of, like, fundamental or, like, learned, learn to love the game um, aspect early and then, eventually you train for a little bit more and then it's okay now you start comp- you start competing and learning how to compete and then you actually compete to win and then you know then it really gets to the elite levels where, where not everyone's going to take it that far so jordan's got some uh some far-fetched goals there <laughs> we'll see <laughs> <Talking> olympics and- <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll see we're just he you know i actually he's picked it up all by himself we haven't really other than buying him the little plastic clubs and leaving him leaving him out there he's uh he's been the That's one awesome. that like wants to do it all day That's so awesome. all right well that was uh that was a good conversation so we always end with a fun little lightning round just a couple of fun questions um to help people get to know you better so I know you're a little bit of a golf course architect uh junkie so um what's the what's your favorite course that you've played so far uh, you know, I'm, I'm new to it, so I haven't gotten to, you know, I've, I know a lot more about courses that I haven't played than <laughs> courses that I have, have played. Uh, I think Blue Mountain Country Club is, is my favorite one in, in Wauwatosa. I lived in Tosa for four years, always wanted to play there, got the opportunity a couple times. Uh, it's awesome seeing the template holes and then understanding what those mean, who Seth Rayner is, what he's done for golf. And I mean, uh, it's it's cool once you understand the history there. I played Milwaukee too, um, you know, obviously like the place in, in the city of Milwaukee and in, in Wisconsin basically. Um, but I kind of lean towards the Blue Mountain because of the punch bowl. For yeah. Sure. I, uh, I haven't played either of those two yet. Um, you I, played Chicago golf, but you haven't played Blue Mountain Country Club. I, How's that? Uh, happen? I haven't played, I've played hardly nowhere other than like public courses around the city. Um, my goodness. So I've got to get out and it's been one of my goals. I've got to get out and play a little bit more. We actually belonged to a Seth Rainer club in Minneapolis when we lived there um, called Midland Hills. So seeing like some of the template holes and stuff there. And that was, Are like, they, were they like, you know, was there Redan? Was there, yeah, yeah that's pretty, yeah. see, it's cool. It's, yeah. And it's cool. Like what's really neat about it is, you know, you look for those few and then a couple holes that are unique to that golf course. Um, but then seeing, I, I think it's so cool to see the template holes at different places all over the country. Yeah. You got some in Chicago, out east. I mean, it's it's neat. Yeah. And it was cool playing uh, when I did get the opportunity to play Chicago golf the first time. Having played um, at the club in Minneapolis, you're like, you kind of, you understood it for the first time being like, oh, 
I recognize this green complex. Even though this hole looks a little different or the length of the shot's a little different, like I recognize these bunkers or how this green's set up or some of this stuff, and you're like, okay, now I kind of get it a little bit more. All right, so then what's uh, what's your next kind of golf uh, or what's the course that you want to play next or on your, on your uh, list? Uh, there's one I've been infatuated with, and it's called the Dunes Club in, uh, in New Buffalo, Michigan. Um, I'm working on putting some some together for some members here. Uh, it's nine hole. It's uh, the Kaiser Group's first golf course. I've heard some pretty cool stories about you know what you have to do to be a member there, but it looks it looks pretty. I think the Kaiser Group is is pretty pretty good for golf, and I'd love to see the first one that started it all. Yeah, no, that would uh, that would be fun. Hopefully, hopefully we're all able to take a trip <laughs> sometime soon. Uh, relatively three hours away. away. Yeah. no hotel, no yeah. nothing. Yeah. That would be uh, that would be fun. Okay, and then I know you're a little bit of a kind of sneaker uh, Nike guy. So what's uh, what's your favorite favorite pair of shoes that you have? Um, that I have, I have a pair of kind of the University Red Air Max ones. It's a classic. Uh, if you ask my wife, I have way too many shoes. <laughs> um, they just keep showing up, and I don't know how. Sorry, <laughs> uh, but I've I've flipped. I I uh, always been kind of a Nike guy. Got really into Jordans in college because of a roommate. Started growing out of that. Got into Nike Dunks. I've matured. Now I'm into Air Maxes. So okay. uh, Air Max one's my answer for this time right now. Okay. I like it. All right, Jake. Well, I really appreciate your time today. And I hope that local golfers and, and other golf pros are able to take a lot away from this interview. Um, where can our listeners learn more about you and what you're doing? I uh, Only social media. I'm not a Facebook guy, not Twitter. Uh, just on Instagram. You can follow me. At J Butta, uh, J B U T T A. Perfect. We'll uh, we'll get those in the show notes. And uh, thanks again for your time tonight. And thanks to everyone for listening. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new that will help you achieve your goals. If you did. We would love for you to head over to Instagram and search MKE Sports Podcast. Like, follow, or comment on today's episode. If you have questions, comments, topics, or guest suggestions, reach out through that Instagram account. Your feedback will help us make this podcast as relevant and informative as possible. If you have additional time, we'd appreciate your help in spreading this information. If you could head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, it will help us spread the word to more athletes in the greater Milwaukee area. Have a great day, and we will see you next time.